quiet weekend for me. Spent a great deal of time in the kitchen and at home. Uh, guess what mm. I was cooking? Uh, some kind of beef dish. <laughs> Spot on. Beef, beef. stroganoff. Yeah. Oh, close. It has the exotic lilt to it, but it's a bourguignon. Yeah. Beef bourguignon oh, yeah. In, right. a, in a slow cooker. Yeah. Um, not just yeah. any beef bourguignon. Uh, it was a beef rib bourguignon. So you can imagine that beef falling off the yeah. ribs yeah. after yeah. nine hours yeah. just slowly cooking. Hanging by a thread. Yeah. Beautiful. Twisting the tail though, Damo. Twisting the tail. That was Saturday night. Um, beef bourguignon, you know, some SPS home movies. Um, but the experience didn't end there. I had um, had some unfortunate uh, early hours wake-ups. A um, bit of a grumbly tummy, you could say, yeah. which extended okay. all Saturday afternoon without being me about to eat a bloody thing, yeah. including the occasional projectile spew. <laughs> yeah. So here I here I wind up Saturday circa six o'clock. Yep. Watching a game of football over my son's shoulder as I feed him, not having mm. eaten even a morsel of food all day. No. Looking trim though. Yep. But the double twist, I was cured. Yep. I was cured. Yeah. Right. In in a one minute spell that was cast over me. And I ended up jumping up and down, literally like yep. almost hitting my head on the roof. My son, my infant son, frowning and giggling at me. Never seen anything like yep. it hmm. uh, because something happened, something special happened. Hmm. How do you spend Sunday, magical. Uh, Extraordinary. Extraordinary game, extraordinary story, extraordinary ending. Um, look, unfortunately, I missed the entire game. Um <laughs> So this is this is what look, this is what you get with Pie Hard, right? You it's get, a great start, Pie Hard. You, you get you get everything. You get everything. So I was yeah preoccupied in the morning. I raced home. I stupidly planned to meet someone, and then sort of I caught little bits and pieces of the game. But um, in the last quarter, I was like, it was it was dinner time. It was time to eat. So I went out and I went to a Vietnamese restaurant. And I was sitting down, oh, and I thought, I thought, look, what I'd do is I'll watch, I'll watch the rest of the, I'll like watch the last twenty minutes or ten mm. minutes at the table with, over your phone with my family foe. over my phone. But lo and behold, I, I like many Pie Hard listeners, um, uh, thieve Foxtel off my father. You know how you can add devices. Okay, okay. Right. Yeah. Off, off the one in. account. I think in. that's. I think that's okay. I think we're okay. Yeah. We're shared login. And so I was sitting at the table, and I went to open up the Foxtel app, mm. and unbeknownst to me, my father had also midweek synced up um, his Foxtel to a new smart TV. He had, oh, of course, which had had booted me off the uh, off the inner sanctum. So in a fit of panic. I did what I, I this is the last resort for someone watching football. I opened up the shitty AFL footy app, went into the live scores section and counted down literally you can count down. All it has is scores and it just has the countdown clock. And I counted down from about 2 minutes and we were 2 points behind and I was just like, oh fuck it, you know that's it. And then so your really whole experience was happened. just digital. It was just the numbers changing. It's, it was like it was it was like the olden days, right? It was like a it was like a um it was like a cable 
an under an undersea yeah. cable had been sent like less than radio broadcast Tasmania just... to the mainland and then ferreted across the land on horseback. That's what it felt like. But let me let me explain what happened. Uh, it got down to it got down to like zero, and mm. but it didn't update. It didn't update. It didn't update to final score, and it took like twelve seconds. And I thought, well, this is really weird. And I refreshed a couple of times, uh, and then it just flashed. It didn't up. have a final it flashed score. Flashed up Collingwood by four points. Well, it did, <laughs> but it was delayed. And at that point, I had I, I went through this kind of wave of emotion. Like the first the first one was like. Oh fuck! I can't believe I've missed this. It's a kick after the siren. Something, something mm. extraordinary has happened in this game, mm. and I've got no idea what it is. I just know from from what I've seen, the information, the data at present, that something something huge had just happened. And then, I don't know if you've ever ever experienced this as a as a Collingwood um, supporter, but I had what could ultimately be described as a contact high, and that was through through the app, through the AFL app. Mm. I started to get a sense of elation. Which was clearly, you know, buzzing around the MCG at the time. Yeah, and I just knew I had a sixth sense. I knew something extraordinary mm. would ha- tap into the ether. So, missed the game. Obviously, caught up, and you know, extraordinary scenes, which I'm sure we'll dive into. Well, I thought, given neither of us were at the ground, which mm. is obviously just a great shame because blasphemy, it's an iconic blasphemy. Moment, I thought we'd, um, I thought we'd just review the North Melbourne game instead. Just kidding, we're going to talk about Jamie. Looking at Collingwood today, it's hard to imagine that this was one of the toughest suburbs in Melbourne. I have a magpie tattooed in a certain spot. I wouldn't say it's the biggest magpie getting around. Out of control brawl outside a Collingwood pub. 60 years ago, it was lined with boot factories. As gritty, grotty suburbs in prime locations turned into trendy hotspots. One's had five bounces, nearly get another one. He's the smartest guy on the team. He's going to have too many to pick from. You've got to go back to Billy Graham at the MCG for an American to dominate like this. The bubbles bursting three decades of grand final wobbles. I still can't believe it. I can. Oh. A weekend order by the club of 288,000 cans to be consumed. More comfortable in myself. It's as close as you'll get to greatness, you peanut. Shut up. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Pie Hard. Pie Hard is a cultural commentary podcast about Collingwood unearthing the hidden story, strange beauty and offbeat culture of the mighty Maggies and beyond. And we cannot, we will not gloss over the Jamie Elliott after the siren goal to win the match against Essendon, of course, had to be Essendon. Uh, the MCG, packed MCG, blustery, cold Sunday. It was just, it was incredible, right? The scenes after the match and in the videos, the subsequent sort of retelling of that famous, now famous scene um, across social media accounts, it's just extraordinary. It's something that I haven't really experienced before we're mm. obviously at the elation of grand final wins we've had the ups and downs we've had famous stirring victories we've had come from behind you know um uh successes in the past but this one this just it's like you know it's like when there's like a terrorist attack mm. and you remember like growing up you read about it you'd read about it in the news and all of that you'd, you'd it's all post and now it just happens like the, it's just captured in so many different ways by so many different people with so many different angles that 
it's really a lot. It's a lot to take in. It's a sensory overload. But I like what a it gorgeous that you one. Compared one of the great magpie moments of all time to a terrorist attack. <laughs> <laughs> I think other club supporters think think of it mm. as a terrorist attack. It's a hostile takeover. <laughs> but you're right. Well, it Dan was right. in many ways for Essendon supporters, yeah. Oh, it was hostile. Um, you, you're correct. I think, and, and credit where credit's due, that the Collingwood media team, the social media team, putting out that video, that beautiful synergy of... Extraordinary job. Yeah. Supporter perspective iPhoneography mm. wedded mm. with Presley soundtrack it was really mm. a thing of beauty and it i think they called it out in the tweet that it was the best thing you watch all mm. year and you know it's legitimately uh, a piece of art that that post so well done to the Collingwood media team demo if what 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 would be worse than sitting at home kind of feeling nauseous projectile vomiting through the day missing the game or mm. steaming you know steaming foe in your eyeballs mm. watching a digital you know, score, mm. click over. Countdown clocks. Via the underwater cable from Tasmania. What would be worse than mm. that? Well, I'll tell you, it would be Jared Blair who left the game with his kids halfway through the fourth quarter. Um, oh. It would be being at the game and leaving. <laughs> I mean, that would as be in premi- really... as in, Sorry, as in premiership pie, Jared Blair. Someone's written an article on, oh, forgive me, right. journalist, anonymous journalist, who I can't remember, but... Mm. I don't know how they found this out, but they, someone's obviously gone and asked Jared, who was famously um, the kicker of a winning goal on Anzac Day against Essendon yeah, a number yeah. of years ago. Remember how he kind of toe poked it? Like it barely kind of glanced yeah. his toe. Yeah, yeah. And I think the idea in the article was like, oh, we'll get his opinion because, you know, it's this, now it's kind of the second or third most famous close victory i guess you could throw zaharakis in there if you're gonna if you're gonna um, be fair there's been a few close ones but and jared's quite honestly said look unfortunately i left i left the game early with the kids they were (laughs) they were getting a bit tired and the game looked like it was over so that would be a really dirty feeling hearing the sound hearing Mm. the um siren go in the sound park in in the um, car park on the way out and realizing perhaps Mm. or being told by a passerby it was a miraculous finish but I'll, i'll ask you a question demo I've mm. certainly marinated myself in that vision, like every, like all Pies fans have, and and I I've definitely watched it more than I watched the Chris Tarrant after the Siren goal against Adelaide, which mm. was probably pre iPhone, almost certainly pre iPhone, early two thousands. Is there a moment? Is there a Magpie moment in our lifetimes? A play, a single mm. play, that is as memorable as this particular one, taking the ball from Pendlebury's hands at fullback, Viamore, Rusco, not Rusco, um, Bianco, uh, lobbing it into Jamie's hands and the kick after the siren. Is, is this the most memorable single Collingwood play of our lifetimes? Yeah, look, I, th- I, think, it, I think it easily is. And I think, I think it should be. I mean, mm. you know, we need to we need to bring a bit of a fresh angle to this one because it's you know it's 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 Thursday by the time this podcast goes out we've been marinating on it for a couple of days and I've been thinking about it and it's just like for that to happen a lot had to go right you know oh, yeah. and and you think about the the Jamie Elliott mark he was between like two defenders who were slightly you know like well let's it, go from the back line let's yeah. go from the back line mm. I mean I think the first thing that I notice. Um, you know, watching the replay again and again is the fact is that the fact that they had a shot for goal 
So Harry Jones, his name, had a shot for goal, worked in our favour because they let down their, their defence let down their guard. So they're thinking yep. they're going to win the game. Then you've got that synergy, that mastermind synergy between Pendlebury and Moore. And he's being sent off, um, not down the middle for the long bomb, which could be expected, but on a run. Then it's in Moore's hands and he's in motion, fluid, gazelle-like, mm. the way we know, mm. know and love him. You wouldn't have it in anyone else's hands. And he's always going to take off. He's always going to take on, um, take on territory and move it forward. And then you kick it to, and this is probably the poetic bit, to Bianco. Doey, doey little Bianco, five-gamer or something, who has not run so quick since his dad told him the buffet was closing down at Lazy Mo's. And he's charging down the wing. He's lobbed it long. The ball's in the air. There's no doubt in my mind that's being spoiled over the boundary. Perhaps we'll yeah. get another crack at it. Still got three seconds on the clock, right? Then somehow it's got the carry to, work, to, to carry over the first defender, uh, mm. the depth, and then it's got the width and just that kind of neat drop <laughs> to, love, to, to daintily, daintily hit uh, to, to fall into Jamie's hands. And then he's we got the it wherewithal. falling in the hole. It fell in the hole. He's got the balls. And what doesn't get talked about is like people are like, oh, it's amazing. He, he really owned the moment and what sk- exquisite skills and, you know, clutch, right? The thing about Jamie is interesting. We've talked about Jamie before in relation to his Euroa past, up your way, up Bush, but he's someone who actually smiles very rarely. He's a, he's a seldom mm. smiler. He's the opposite to side bottom, Jamie. Mm. So I feel like his entire career, nay, his entire life has been building up. He's, he's got this steely kind of aspect to him. And you, I would suggest he's probably slightly unusual character. I'm not sure. I don't know him personally. But... <laughs> <laughs> that steely, unsmiling mm. determination mm. just came to its ultimate perfect fruition in those moments. And then you've got the kick. And on the tele- telecast, because that's, you know, obviously how I was watching it, um, it looks like it might uh, be left. But, you know, from experience, the telecast can, you kind of want it to look like that from the, the wing, the high wing camera position, because that probably indicates it's close to the post. But I think in the end, when you look at those incredible um, perspectives from the fans near the, uh, in the, um, you know, near the fence, it was just, it was just a dead eye dick, you know, straight at the target. Oh, and it's beautiful. It went straight through. Yeah. Um, unbelievable. I mean, I've still I've watched it a hundred times. Everyone has, right? But it's just fantastic. It's just absolute. It's just a moment which just encapsulates this, this incredible run that we've been on. And um, you know, I don't think we're in the best form, but. We'll take nine wins. We'll take nine any day of the week. We'll take them, baby. Yeah, extraordinary scenes. Um, loved the reaction. I think we've mm. got to we've got to pay a little bit of a homage to Elliot's kind of steely, you know, um, affront to maybe some Essendon naysayers in the crowd who mm. probably suggested that that kick might go left or right. Or oh, see, I don't think that. I don't think it was the didact reaction that you're talking about. Okay, where he's giving it to. I think it was. Well, like I said, like I said, I wasn't there, so I wouldn't have a clue anyway. I think it was make some noise. Uh, in fact, I think the opposite. When he was lining up, I remember mm. seeing these two passionate uh, pie supporters behind him near the fence, talking to him as he's moving in to kick the ball. And I'm like, you know, if I'm sitting there, I'm not sure you're going to be talking to him, like encouraging him as he's walking in to kick it. I mean, that seems quite clearly to me that could be a distraction. <laughs> you just want to zip it, right? But they were just yeah. giving this kind of like ongoing commentary 
support. I thought it was, it's just this kind of unbridled passion. I could not shut up. I'm like, guys, mm. just let the guy kick the ball. All right, let's um, let's go. Let's go into a hard yes. I reckon. I want to hear your hard yes for this week. Look, hard yes. Um, I think in in lieu of gaming a movie, which we're not going to go to this week because you know we've just masturbated over the uh, the final two minutes for for long enough. But uh, what I will say is, mid season draft is the best draft. Mm. Now, Damo, have you ever broken into a party? Uninvited. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Several times. Now, I'm I'm willing to bet that at least one of those parties that you, you crashed or you jumped the fence or you mm, snuck in, mm, mm. at least one of those was probably one of the best parties you've ever been to. Am I right? Uh, up there, yeah. Top, top, top 30, definitely. There's just something. Top 30? Come on, man. I, I mean, I, I broke into the big day out after party, um, speaking of big day out, yeah, in... Mid two thousands and um, was that it? Was that at Curtain House? Was that with Kings of Leon? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Had a good, had a good chin. End up having good chin wag with Kings of Leon and um, and the guy from Mars Volta. All right, and just making it. And Franz Ferdinand. So there you go. Showing that's showing the era. uh, Making absolute indie sleeve of myself, but um, fantastic fun. One of the great parties. um, That I've been to, not least of all because you know it was free cans, um, and I was Mm. meeting. You know, people that I respected. Uh, but the thing about breaking into a party is when you're uninvited, you just make the most of it. And there's a sense of spontaneity, there's a sense of not belonging there where you kind of can't believe how fate has worked for you. And when I look at our mid season draftees, that's the vibe I get. You look at someone like Carmichael, who's not only a mid season draftee from of the Bush Leagues, you know. As, as, as recently as a year ago, but he, he gets put on the MCG as a medi sub to kick mm. two like life-defining match-winning goals, which have only been kind of obfuscated by the brilliance of Jamie Oliver, Oliver at the end. Jamie Same Oliver. Same goes. <laughs> Jamie Oliver? <laughs> oh, oh my God, you are delirious. Yeah. No, it is late. It is very late. Imagine look, Jamie, Jamie Oliver. It, Jamie, Jamie Oliver lining up with the so Sharon good. at the end. Yeah, it's love, kind it, of... love it, love it, love it. Yeah, no mid-season <laughs> recruits. Let's 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 rip on that. Carmichael, two clutch shots. What what a what a. Well, my um, point was, Damo, that he but that they don't. They're so excited by this opportunity that that spontaneous energy and, and that love of football comes out. It, it hasn't been buried by years of professionalism and training. And the same yeah, goes for Ash right. Johnson. The guy's just like launching at it. Three goals in the first quarter. Mm. It's incredible exuberance and and kind of uh, energy about these guys, and it's great to watch. Yeah. You know, you don't know what you're going to get when they debut, and when it turns out mm. good. And those two in particular, and of course Salt Noble, who we love, um, mm. have been an absolute revelation. So yeah, just got to gate crash the AFL. Yeah, we haven't had a bad one. Yeah, we haven't had. I love I love the uh, the idea of gate crashing the party and. It's, it's something about it, right? It's it's like it's that uh, kind of youthful enthusiasm. I think, I think with mid-season draftees and picks, they've they've been overlooked, right? So they've been in mm. the system. They've been they've they've had the bitter disappointment of being overlooked in drafts. They've gone back. They've applied their trade. So it's really it's a combination of sneaking into the after party, but it's also 
um, you know, nothing left to lose type sort of um but I don't think those response two, and approach. When you're talking about Johnson and Carmichael, my vibe is that I don't know whether they they were like the the hardworking, you know, guys who tragically missed out and they're, they're crying on their mum's blouse on draft night. I, I feel like they just weren't professional or at the level um, at the time. Like, you know, Carmichael playing in the blue. I could be wrong. Maybe that was their dream from a young age. But I feel like maybe they were just late maturers. But yes. Yeah, I, I mean, mean it, poten- potentially, potentially, but they've had that dream postponed or put on hold. So mm. when they get the opportunity, not only are they playing every week for a contract and Ash mm. Johnson's just sort of got one, right? But, um, you know, they, they've taken the long road. So regardless of whether they were crying or whether they were not ready or whatever, uh-huh. they've taken that extra, extra kind of um, extra journey to get there. So I think they enjoy it. You, you would enjoy it more. You would, you would celebrate a little bit harder. You'd know how fortunate you are. And look, mid-season draft to end up at Collingwood, you know, in a kind of nine straight run mm. um, with a new coach that everyone loves and just and making critical kind of critical cron- circus contributions. carnival atmosphere front to yeah. back papers it, it's just incredible like we've we've spoken a lot about pie Hard about the collingwood effect and we need to dial this up when we're getting recruits like mm. um taranto and all these other guys like what it actually means in the sense of you know free coffees, free beers, free upgrades, mm. you know, what what the Collingwood effect um, delivers beyond just salary. And it's mm. all of that ancillary stuff that mm. kind of bobs Free spices paper. Mm. Brown paper bags. I agree. Well, mid-season draft's the best draft. That's a hard yes, buddy. All right. Let's go hard no. I'm going to keep running with you on this one, Alex. You're on a rich vein of form tonight, so I'm going to keep going going with you. Look. I couldn't not bring it up. I was actually heartened to see Lee Matthews come out and say that he couldn't sleep after the game because he was that rattled and kind of disgusted by the Ginevan scenario. And I felt I've I've kept I've kept it at arm's reach so far a little bit. I've kept rule changes. Into, you know, people get all hot under the the collar about rule changes for years now, and I've just tended to kind of step away and be like, look. It's it'll evolve. They'll make changes. They'll probably make too many changes. Um, it'll settle down. We'll move on. I still love the game. I've, I've never been one of those people who thinks the game's gone to the dogs and it's shit to watch. I've enjoyed every mm. year of football, even when it's more defensive. You know, coaches have to mastermind new ways through the press. Whatever you get, your rust lines come through, but then you get your fly craze and it balances out over time. But I got I got sucked in to this particular rule debate in a big way in the first quarter on the weekend. And it was just that, you know, I mean, you wouldn't have seen it um, from a digital perspective on the the app there. But have you seen the tackle that I'm talking about on Yeah, yeah, Gavin? yeah of course. Yeah, yeah, seen the tackle. Yeah. And I actually saw the AFL's response to the tackle, which I'm, are you going to talk about yeah. that? Yeah. Oh, it's like it's a crazy. backhanded, like a backhanded compliment or something. Like it's like, it's a half acknowledgement. To lead with the fact that he he was in the wrong, but um, it was a terrible wasn't the, look. Wasn't the whole wasn't the whole premise of the AFL's sort of articulation of that specific incident was yes, it was the wrong decision. It should have been a free kick, but not for the head high tackle. 
for the extended second sort of motion, yeah, choke motion, which is just like it is. It is. Is this what Lee's talking about when he's mentioning he was disturbed and sickened and couldn't sleep? Is that what he's talking about? Is he talking about the yeah. AFL's response? Yeah, it's, uh, he's it's, talking it's, about it's both, un- either, both the tackle, not not uh, defending the ball player, and the AFL seeming to give license to players to take other players' heads off who are going for the ball. Yeah. I mean, that's. I mean, Lee, Lee said, quote, the fabric of yeah. the game is being attacked yeah. in my view, uh, so I'm disturbed. I've calmed down a little bit. I couldn't sleep Sunday night thinking about it. It's the symbolism of it that just disturbs me. Every other player in the competition would have got that free kick on Sunday afternoon. I was everything from disillusioned to disappointed to angry to shocked. It got my blood boiling, and frankly, two days later, it still does. I mean, it's fascinating just how strong that language is. Um, but look, my point here, I guess, is it's very easy as Collingwood supporters to come out and defend your guy, right? Um, I think it taps into, in a general sense, in an obvious sense, supporter frustration with constantly changing rules. And it taps into what we've you know, discussed this, this season about the ad hoc interpretive nature of umpiring the AFL. And it's a difficult job, there's no doubt. But there's so much interpretation it can it can easily become farcical, and I, I tend to think this rule change is making it almost unumpireable because I don't know how in real time you can assess the weekend of Bernie knees. Um, you know, things happen very quickly, um, and obviously there's you know there's other elements coming into play. And and my broader point uh, and what I'm getting at, demo, you bear with me, is yep. I yeah, do yeah. think that you know the the, the fascination on this issue is that it's tapping into a much broader collision of Australian cultural values. We've got tall poppy syndrome in bucket loads. And in my view, this this kind of toxic masculinity that comes with tall poppy syndrome where there's a a hierarchy of violence where a younger man, you know, needs to be taken down a notch um, by older players or older people in society to, so they do their time. It's stripping them of their individuality, condemning any sense of self-expression. Um, and and to be quite frank, it's one of the reasons we don't have things like open gay athletes in our sport is because this hmm. long-term culture of tall poppy syndrome and dragging people down makes environments in professional sports or professional AFL not necessarily safe for, for individuals to express themselves and when you see the extended motion of Redmond's tackle, that extended motion isn't part of is not part of the high tackle debate. That that's part of, in my view, an Australian cultural artifact around lopping down tall poppies. It's like, mate, pull your fucking head in. I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah. make you earn this in a big way because you've stuck your head out too much. And I think that's the, that's the broader context for me. Talking of tall poppies, I saw um, Mason Cox's uh, tweet. Did you see that one uh, off the back of the game? I heard he oh, – I can't recall it. Have you got it there? He's, yeah, he said, wild to think high tackles were put in the game to protect players' health and now are being blatantly ignored for a mm. 19-year-old. How can we think uh, the AFL cares about concussions and head high contact after this? I love – I just love the fact that Mason Cox lets it spray Mm. And I always think in, in moments like this, like where's the club coming out and supporting the player? And mm. I, I'm not just talking about players because they are, Mason Cox is, and he'll be fined or sanctioned for that, which is, which is you know, hilarious 
but I, I love I love when 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 we when we stand up for our own when we stand up for our players and I just mm. love the club I'd love the club to be more vocal I'd love Jeff Brown to come out I'd love McRae and I know we're muzzled and we're in an era where we don't talk about umpires we don't talk about umpire and we play a straight bat we don't want to cop fine we don't want to bring any more heat on the club but just you know an old school like yeah defense like release a, release a statement or come out on record and say but it's not it's not know, even unhappy it's not even that demo I, I totally agree there's been a silence in that department but it's not the fear of being uh fined by the afl i, th- I think it's a really deliberate strategy from mccray and others at the club to deflect the issue away from ginevan and rather than the old school deflection of sticking your chest out and standing up for your player and this isn't good enough like the safety of our players at stake and he's being bullied, they've gone the other way. And McRae's definitely gone the other way. He's like, look, I don't make excuses. I don't like we don't lay blame. They get some right, they get some wrong. And I agree, like it's quite glaring how far the other way he's gone in terms of downplaying and deflecting the issue. And I think that it's just got so big that I think he feels that it's best to try and diffuse rather than confront. And I think that's probably an insight into his his character as well, and not in a bad way, because I think it's an interesting like strategy. Yeah, but but yeah, we, we would be I, I actually, used to more more kind of blustery, you know, loyalty. I actually I actually don't I don't think it should be McRae. I think he 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 should focus. So I love when Mason Cox comes out, and I'd love Jeff Brown, and I'd love other people within the club, senior leaders within the club, mm. on the board to come out and defend the player. Let don't I agree. Let McRae um you know deflect and, and go about his process, and I think that's. It's mm. working, <laughs> so I, don't, I wouldn't. I wouldn't change that. We don't want to turn him into a, into a disgruntled old sort of Mick Malthouse character, um, mm. you know, torching journalists or anything like that. But you know, for someone to come out, geez, even if it was just a, a post on socials, like, wouldn't mm. that be, like, wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be a novel suggestion of coming we're used out to, to um, player? We're so conditioned to the Eddie Maguire approach, and that he would be so vociferously in defence of Ginevan at every opportunity on every media channel. That it does feel like a, a silence, but I think mm. in particular because you know we 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 want to fit, we just want fairness, and it seems it seems pretty clear to me that the treatment of one individual is not equal, you know, yeah. to the treatment okay. of others in the competition. Okay, so Ginevan's had a couple of a couple of um, low percentage games. It's kind of it's fair to say he's sort of drifted out of form a little bit. He hasn't he hasn't sort of hit the scoreboard as hard as he's he been has sharing the, the ball more though. So, so what, putting your putting your um, selectors hat on, what are you doing? Are you playing him this week, or are you giving yeah, him a spell yeah, and no, bringing in Ollie Henry? No, I think Ginevan's. I've actually noticed a bit of unselfishness creep into his game, which is um, a nice thing to creep in. Um, I think he's, you know, got a team first attitude. I think he's lively in defence, unless unless he's really sore or fatigued. I think that this stage of the season. Dropping a player he believes going to be figure in finals, I think, is sketchy. But I, I was surprised now that you brought up Curtin's old Count Dracula. I was surprised they dropped Henry because Henry doesn't have many moments in the game, but his moments have been very good. Yeah. Um. So that but was an interesting. I think. Yeah, I just I feel with Ginevan, it's probably worth him having a week or two in the VFL, if nothing more than to start refreshing some of these younger players, these younger legs, 
uh, in the lead up to the finals. I think we haven't probably haven't been in this situation for a while. We certainly weren't there last year, but you know the mindset right now, um, are, are certainly beyond the Port Adelaide game, is looking at the the list holistically and starting to get a, a bunch of these players sort of. I don't up, think up, it's skin of it. for it, finals. Bianco's on, despite his beautiful kick on the weekend, it, it, he's on. He's more on the fringe than a Ginevan. But um, yeah, this, also, this is about you've got this, other... is, this is about mani- this is managing players though. This is managing players. So it's Ollie, Ollie Henry has. You see, you're saying rest. For a couple you're of... saying rest Ginevan to to give oh, oh. other players a go. It's, Someone's going to have to rest with because one, you're going to you, have Grundy, uh, Grundy and You're killing two birds soon. with one stone. You're killing two birds with one stone. What I'm saying is now is the time to start rotating the kids in and out, refresh them, send them back to the VFL, get some form, give Ollie Henry a taste of um, senior football again, have that 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 younger um, side of the list ready and primed. Come Look, respect, respectfully and, disagree. That was six weeks ago. That's mid-season talk. That's mid-season talk. I think... We're honing our craft for finals. We've got four weeks left. I would keep our best team in the park as much as possible. To go is back. Grundy will be back. Cox might be dropped. You know, I would like to see Henry, but I can't see a lot of other names coming up from the VFL unless we have injury. Nathan's 50th birthday today. Nathan Buckley's 50th birthday today. Yeah, geez, he's, he's in good Holy for a 50-year-old. Sh- shit, that, he does look good. And you know who else looks good for, um, well, almost 50? Mm. Uh, is us, Alex, Pie Hard, because I don't know if you know this little tidbit, but this is episode 49 of Pie Hard, and next week is our special 50th episode mm. of Pie Hard. So, I don't know, it would make sense to kind of get Nathan on for that one. I don't know if, I don't know if we can make it happen, but that <laughs> would be You're talking as if we've got him lined up, but... People are going to be really disappointed when it's <laughs> yeah, just you and me <laughs> next week. I think I think everyone was shattered too when we did that. Um, when Nathan Buckley retired and we had the episode and we called it Nathan, and I think everyone thought Nathan was on it. It's like no, 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 it's just us talking about him. But yeah, yeah Nathan Buckley for fifty. You know, he does. He stands out, doesn't he, on on the Fox Hell shows? Because let's be frank, like mm. sitting next to Gary Lyon, um, you know, it's you know, we're talking double extra large shirts. You know, it, the 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 camera already adds another ten pound. It's not the most picturesque, um, you know, visual feast that's that's running on on primetime television. So that was the first thing I noticed when Nathan Buckley moved into the media was it's just he he ushered in this kind of new, mm. more, more sleeker, ripped, pointy shoe version. And look, I don't know, he like loves re-wall. nothing more nothing more than a navy shirt and um and denim combo. But yeah, Rewald always, still holds his own. I always notice what he's wearing, what they're wearing. And I, I wondered, like, did yeah. I get any say? Because it's obvious it's got to be some kind of sponsorship thing. It's usually in the credits. It's like they're sponsored by Peter Jackson or whatever. and MJ Bale, yep. That, I was thinking about this the other day. Like he probably roll, rolls up to Fox Studios. And I think they also do all their work from the studio, right? You know how they just chat about the game in the breaks and then throw to the Channel 7 commentary? So I think they just I don't know what they the, do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't think they ever go to a ground. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure like it's almost like a <laughs> oh, nine to five job. They just go to the Fox Studios, I think. And I reckon mm. Nate rock rolls in in his matching hoodie, grey, light grey yep. hoodie, uh, tops and bottoms. And then mm. on the rack is all that pristine yep. kind of wardrobe pointy shoes and they just get it on. But mm. um 
Happy birthday, Nathan. Happy birthday, Nathan. Speaking about good body shapes, we've got, I think, has Dugowie been picked this week for Port Adelaide? Dugowie's been picked and Fly McCree yeah. has come out and said, you'll notice, uh, this is not a direct quote, I'm paraphrasing. No. You'll notice when Geordie comes back in a, a slightly different body shape. And I thought it was like he's right. had three weeks at three. He's, he's had a th- mini pre-season of three weeks, I said. And um, <laughs> I'm just wondering what to expect. Like, I mean, yeah. I think there's two ways of looking at it. One is um, mm. Fly McRae is just heaping the praise on on Jordan to try and, um, yeah, make him happy at the club. The other is that mm. Jordy's gone out and got ripped, thrown up his trade value because, like, yeah. he's starting to get stressed about Pump getting and fun script heap. Pump and dump. <laughs> Classic. Classic pump, pump and dump scheme. Pump, pump uh, yeah, it'll be look, it'll be it'll be interesting. I, I tell you, I tell you what, like it's 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 been a um, it's been a bit of a saga with Jordan to go over the last four weeks, obviously, or a bit more than four weeks. But I tell you what, coming into a side that sort of you know has it's fair to say been limping mm. over the line and hasn't been in the best form and maybe missing a bit of spark or a bit of energy. I think if McRae's right to have sort of a fit or a fit-ish Jordan Ngoi coming back into the side at this point, I think we're really strong when we have the Elliot um, uh, Ngoi combo switch. Mm. Um, I just Through think that's where you can you can talk about you know strong Collingwood sides and who you bring in and does Grundy come back. I think we I think we are at our best when we have those two rotating through the middle. Mm. And they ju- they're just those small, stocky burst speed players that can go up, go forward, and kick goals. And, so, and really excited to get him back. I think you know if you'll remember the last episode of Pie Hard where everyone was talking about how Essendon was the bogey game we were going to lose. It's very hard to win nine straight. Yeah. And I came out and said we're never going to lose another game for the rest of the year. And there was talk of me um, walking under ladders and tripping over black cats and putting the the voodoo on the Collingwood Football Club. I think I've right. proved a lot of people wrong with that one. And yeah. um, mark my words, and we will not lose another game for the rest of the season. And I think that uh, premonition has been has been backed up by Travis Cloak down at the uh, AAA, yeah, the uh, Archaeological Association down at Abbotsford. That's not the Travis Cloak. Um, mm. Who has found another rune. They've found another rune. They've dusted it off. There's a new rune being found under an old rune. Um, what they thought was a seagull uh, on the Dacosian yep. tablet. Um, mm. They thought it was a reference tablet. to that one game that um, Bucks played for the Williamstown Seagulls. In fact, it's not a seagull at all. Uh, it's the number 16. And new analysis, new research, new academic rigor has pointed to the idea that it could be representing 16-game winning streak. Now, what would that mean? Demo, if, if we won 16 mm. games, we're at nine. We're at nine, okay? So 16 would be, okay, so we've got four rounds left. That's nine, 10, 11, 12, 13. So it's mm. 13 to the end of the, and if we won three more from the after the end of the season, three more in a row. Oh. Well, no, because we no, we'd be top four, wouldn't we? So that would be, well, that would be a premiership and um, the first game <laughs> of the Ansett Cup. Next year in sale, no, which is even better. Be a, the important one is the against, first Gold, game of the against Gold Coast <laughs> at Mars Stadium in Ballarat. Yeah, yeah. No, sixteen is is is, is a premiership. Um, yeah, seventeen if yeah. we're not top four. But um, just to finish up, I did a ladder predictor. Mm. Um, 
Yeah. Everyone bangs on about fucking ladder. ladder pre- Heck, it I, is one sorry, of the I don't know what a ladder. Things. I don't do. I don't do them. What? 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 What the hell is a ladder predictor? So, all right, you jump <laughs> on the it AFL. To me. I got no idea what it is. You jump on the AFL website. I know yeah. you're still watching like sport yeah, I'm via on a like countdown 10 numbers. Seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can click on ladder, and you click on ladder predictor, and you then have to enter all of the games coming up. I mean, every game, right? Um, and then yeah. you can add the values you know, that teams win or lose by to decipher the percentage. So you end up... Oh, my God. So if you do it from now, you'll do, you'll enter four rounds of game mm. four times, what, nine? Mm. Um, whatever that equals. And it is one Sounds of the like most... Sounds like a lot of work. Oh, it is one of the most frustrating, tedious, tedious things yeah. because inevitably yeah. after about... Two or three rounds when you've done like twenty five of these predictions, you you end up just being really arbitrary. Like, ah, oh, well, I, I gave it to um, I gave it to Port Adelaide last week, so oh, I reckon they'll lose against North, and then you just make right. things up. And so it's very difficult to like obviously have a form okay. line on the teams because you haven't seen them play in the last week mm. because you're like yeah. a month in the future. But I did a ladder predictor. I did a ladder predictor. Okay. Mm. Um, and full disclosure, yeah, no shame, no shame. I decided that. I'd actually decided before the ladder predictor that as a Collingwood supporter, it's very, very, very difficult to see anything objectively, obviously, and very difficult to enter the correct numerical values of any game. So I, I, I just decided before I started that Collingwood will win two of the last four. four. Now, I know mm-hmm. it goes against what we just said about the new rune and the Jack Austin calendar, but I believe that it is possible for us to win two of the last four. I believe it's less probable to win three of the last four. But... It would seem that we need to win three of the last four. My analysis would show, my very ham-fisted ladder predictor analysis, we need to win three of the last four to, to make top four, unfortunately. But the upshot is, according to my ladder predictor, guess who we have in the first week of finals in a knockout? Blockbuster. Oh, no. Carlton. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. So. Mark okay. my words, if the Dacosian calendar, if in fact the analysis of the runes is slightly off and we're still a couple of years off, the backup prediction is a Collingwood-Carlton first final at the MCG in, in September, which is going to make the Jamie Elliott game look like a bunch of floppy arm children. It's going to be so mm. big. It's almost time the, um, the powerhouses of the AFL, the, the big clubs, the Collingwoods, the Carltons, um, who are the other big ones? That's about it. Just Collingwood and Carlton. That's about it. <laughs> Got together and seriously discussed a Greg Norman-esque uh, Saudi live golf scenario. Oh, I like it. Um, not, 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 not to actually do it, but just to, just to keep the bastards at AFL House accountable and honest and just uh, rem- subtly remind them uh, of who yields the power in this um, often uh, and sometimes oh, so corrupt good. world of AFL football. Just something to tease, just something to put out there. I'm sure Jeff Brown's already thinking about it, but just a veiled threat to remove mm. themselves from the competition and, you know, just start a, 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 a um, factional powerhouse uh, league would and be build like brilliant. With, of course, Saudi backing. 190,000 um, capacity stadium in Tasmania. So all the big I mean, clubs... Arbidale. It's just the big. It's the big four. The so-called big four just playing each other on rotation. Everyone Absolutely. moves to Tassie. Yep. Massive stadium. Yeah. 
Yeah. Massive ambassador. A breakaway. Who's, a breakaway league. A breakaway yeah. league. Who's the Greg Norman equivalent mm. that's going to head it up like X player that can, we can really get attention with? Is it Warwick Kappa? Not, not, <laughs> no, not Ricky Nixon. Not Ricky Nixon based on current form. Uh, um, who would Rick. it be? Mick McGuire. Uh, Wayne Jackson. Is he still around? No. Jacko. No, it would be. No, Jacko. No, 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 not Jacko. Um, oh, look, it'd have to be. It'd have to be a big figure, would it? A big figure in sport. Plug a locket. Plug a locker is the doesn't, Greg Norman. Doesn't talk much. I think BT would be BT would be important because he'd bring that kind of media. Talk, talk no, talks talks too much. He'd, he'd okay. blow the deal with the Saudis. They'd be like, get out. No, not doing. Um, Saudis all right, love we'll, their we'll, footy. We'll, we'll, we'll come back to that one. But uh, anything else before we uh, before we wrap up another episode of Pie Harder? No, I think we're good. I think we're I think we're all ready for well, this would be win number ten. We'll come back next week, uh, episode fifty of Pie Hard. Mm. Uh, it's going to be huge. It's going to be delicious. It's going to be uh, sensual. Uh, we're back. We're playing great football. We're winning games after the siren. You couldn't ask for anything more uh, in the Collingwood universe. Oh, maybe a win against Port Adelaide. We'll see. Don't forget to hit us up on our socials at Pie Hard Podcast on Instagram, on Twitter. Slink into those DMs. Now, before we go, Alex, I just want to do a very, very quick and special shout out to... Our friend at the club, Dylan, the facilities mm. manager at the Collingwood Football Club, who infamously um, featured in a segment of Pie Hard last week. It was, uh, he was fronting the video of the Clorox Pro 360 mm. Steam One disinfectant uh, mm. nozzle spray. Um, turns out Dylan's a big fan of Pie Hard, loved the segment, and we got a little bit of inside information about the, the dealings, which we won't, we won't reveal on the pod. But uh, in all, a fantastic deal was done between the Collingwood Football Club and uh, Clorax, which is an American-based uh, organization. So all's well that ends well on that We regard. could get them and onto did, the uh, Rebel League, uh, Clorox. I did, Clorax. Yeah, exactly. I did jump back into that video. I think it had it didn't have a lot of views when we saw it, but thanks to the power of PyHard, we've added, I believe, another 20 views to that video. So if you want to talk about the, the pull power of, of this humble little podcast that we produce <laughs> weekly, all you need to do is dive back in and look at the Clorox Pro 360 video on the club's website. Check it out. There's so much good content coming out of the Collingwood Football Club. Uh, what have we got? We've got Presti handing out KFC. We've got uh, beautifully stitched together um, videos from from crowd interactions, which we love. Oh, Presley. It's all coming up roses mm. for the Collingwood at the moment. Elvis Presley, the like. This is Pie Hard.